Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Josh, it's a brand new year, and yet we are still the same old pod. Well, I mean, I'm still the same. You are now a... um... A television media lover. Oh well, yes, yeah. I did, I did like. I didn't want to mention it, but now I'm a TV, <laughs> a TV superstar after my 45 seconds on the television. Yeah, I mean, I only asked because you're wearing a smoking jacket. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd been wearing a smoking jacket that night. I tell you, but uh, it's yeah. As I say, when I turned up, they told me I was doing a preview, a review of the season, mm. and then when the producer came over, said, "Yeah, we want you to talk about the Challenge Cup." Oh, I kept something inside me kind of went bong. <laughs> and I went, oh shit! But of course, why yeah. would they want me to come on and talk about the interesting stuff when they can talk to Hugo Monnier or whoever else? Or, 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 or Flatman, indeed. Or yeah, Flatman, so... uh, Flatman is great value, by the way. Outstanding value for a chat. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get any recordings of talking to anybody due mm. to some logistical problems. But uh, uh, I can say that. Surprising nobody, David Flatman is a great lad to have a chat with. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm not at all shocked by this, to be honest. Um, so anyway, we are still your sweary pipe of rugby knowledge, even though I am now you know, getting myself an agent and things. Obviously, uh, um, yeah. We march forward into 2007 like two project players attempting to pay our dues before we become eligible for a team we have not really <laughs> had any desire to play for, except we don't even get paid handsomely or otherwise, actually, for, for, for no. doing this. 
Um, We're trying to project player it for Fiji, which is the ultimate fool's errand. <laughs> yes, the ultimate, yes. Yeah, the bloodandmud.com podcast, a bit like being a project player for Fiji. I like that. Um, I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com and star of late night television. And he is. I am Josh Gardner, not star of any late night television yet. Um, and editor <laughs> of rugbyshipwatch.com. Um, I, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud, and you can get in touch with Josh. Either at Rugby Shirt Watch or at Josh Gardner. Take your pick. Um, the pod is available on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on Acast, and anywhere else you wish to ram our RSS feed forcefully. Uh, thanks for all of you that leave reviews on iTunes, and please continue to do so, as I'm, I'm told apparently it's very important. Um, oh, it's, particularly, it's particularly important if we want to move up from our position of 46th in the current rugby episode <laughs> charts. So if you care about this pod, dizzy, please just give us a review. We were up in the top 10 at one point, but then... The rugby, pod, the rugby pod have seriously. started taking it seriously and had like professionals in. JB's got one where he interviews pros every week. So basically we're fucked. So anyway, yeah. but you know, but we still love it. We're still here. We thank you for coming along. Yes. And we're gonna Compensate start... for our handicap by making it your New Year's resolution to leave us a review. Just even just click on the stars, it'll be great. Anyway, yeah. let's start off this week. Now before just before today, before we started recording, the news the big news is is that Richard breaking Cockrell's news. breaking. Yeah. Has has been given the um, the Spanish archer, as they say, elbow hmm. by uh, Leicester mid season. Un- yeah, it's been a pretty uneventful festive period. Aside from that, to be honest, like there's not a great deal of things happened, and then all of a sudden, boom! This it's a big call for. I mean, mid season coach firings they just don't really happen in rugby, do they? But we've had like two in yeah. the Prem this year, which is a little bit alarming. Jen right. Phillips got in touch on Twitter uh, and said, um, "Is sacking?" Asked the question, "Is sacking your director of rugby mid-season shit?" Question mark. My husband, a Tigers fan, was quite upset about Cockers getting sacked. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's what you hope to achieve with it, I suppose. What you're going to achieve yes. by doing it, I suppose. If you're going to do it mid-season, you can only guess you've got somebody lined up to replace him fairly quickly, who's of a reasonable yeah. caliber. Or this is all just going to be a apprenticeship for Aaron Major just taking over everything. Well, I guess that's got that because I mean, there's just been a bit of a sense for a while that the feeling was building that Cockers had maybe taken Leicester as far as he could, and like. They got dicked by Glasgow in the Champions Cup. Obviously, they got dicked at home to Munster, and they got dicked away to Munster a couple of weeks ago. But, like, yeah, what are they achieving? Like, Major is taking over an interim basis, which gives them a chance to decide, I guess, if they're going to let him be the man well, to take over. And it also means he might stop avoiding some of the flack. <laughs> well, because, yeah. you know, there is this issue about having a go at Cockrell, but he is, I imagine, the day to day coaching type scenario must be being taken by Major who's who had well they had that sort of purple creative patch well 18 months ago now yeah yeah Uh, yeah, beginning last season wasn't it and Mm. and since then there's not been much I mean and they've spent large parts of this season uh, looking quite inexplicable so yeah is it all cockerels who decides I never understand with this director of rugby set up right who decides on transfers and contracts is it well that is the question isn't it I mean you've got to feel I, I would say I'd feel a bit sorry for Cockrell, but he's yeah, a there's only so much, only so far you he's, can go with that. Yeah, he, he's a shit house who's epitomised everything that what people hate about Leinster on the field and in the coaches' box, or even Leicester. Last, like, twen- yeah, Leicester. Sorry, yes, of course. Um, but he has had some pretty shitty luck, hasn't he? Like the two big money star signings, namely Matt Tamua and re-signing Manny Tuilagi. Hmm. Um, well, one's out for the season, and the other one 
manages to stay fit for roughly 15 minutes every four months. And yeah. that's like a huge chunk of your playing budget that's basically sat in the treatment room unable to do anything. It, on one level, yeah, that is unlucky. But on, on the other level, um, the basic stuff isn't well, going very is... well, is it? You know, that's the... I thought that... if. They were doing. I mean, they did all right last season, and I thought the basics yeah. could keep coming through. And somebody like Tamua and Tulanga getting fit again, they could really get back or very near to where they used to be. Where they used to be, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and, and, and it and didn't it's just not happen, does it? Quite happen. I mean, and and I think the thing is, we'll find out now. Was Major being held back by Cockrell's? Because you have to assume the director of rugby sets rugby sets the overall playing strategy. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that he he gets Major to fit whatever he's doing in with that strategy. So I suppose now we are mm, going to find out. And, well. Was it? Is it as as you found at Bath with with Blackadder? Yeah, you know that a new DOR comes in, sets a different strategy with his with his sidekick that he brought with him, whose name yeah, escapes me. Was... Nope. And yet, no idea. <laughs> no idea. And yet, <laughs> and yet, anyway, you can see the point we're trying to make is that um, with the similar group of players, it changes. So yeah, maybe so... we'll finally find out if Major is worth it. it the, the problem the interest... will be though if yeah. if it doesn't, because well, yeah, who do they get in? Like, you look at, like, the sort of the calibre of coaches that Leicester would probably chase. You know, Eddie Jones isn't going anywhere. Michael Checker isn't going anywhere. Warren Gatland isn't going anywhere. Vern Cotter's signed for a million Andy Robinson's available. I'll just leave that out there. <laughs> well, you say this. But, Pat, <laughs> you know, Pat Lamb signed up with Bristol. Um, all of the sort of super rugby coach Blackadder's up in Bath. Um, what's his face is off to Glasgow, the Chiefs guy, Dave Rennie. There's there's not a lot out there. Like, unless they go Heinkemeyer, I guess, there's not a lot of sort of coaching yeah. candidates of the calibre that you would think could handle both the pressure and the the, his, the history and the expectation at, Le- at Leicester. Like, yeah, it could backfire a little bit spectacularly. It could backfire. I'm trying to find uh, the statement that that Leicester put out. Sorry, because it was um, it's what was quite clear. I can't find it. What was quite clear within it was was just how much Cockrell massively did not agree. (laughs) Yes, he was like, I'm still convinced. Here we go. Here we go. I I still believe that I'm the right person to lead the team at this present time, but I respect the board's decision to make the changes DC fit in the best interests of the club. Um, yeah, with respect, Cockers, your opinion is fucking academic at this point. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, but there's obviously no mutual agreement thing here. He's just said, well, no. I wanted to keep the job and they've told me to fuck off, basically. There was, yeah. no, there was no mutual agreement thing, which I kind of respect about him, actually. Absolutely. Because well, I reckon they probably I reckon they probably said to him, can we just say it's mutual agreement? I would, wouldn't be surprised knowing him. He just went, no, you're not saying that. Fuck off, yeah. And probably dropped the C-bomb. And can we actually take a moment to reflect on the greatest moment of Richard Cockerell's entire coaching career, which is Matra Castro Giovanni, Giovanni calling him a cunt in that <laughs> yes. conference a couple of years ago. Which Peace and love, I just don't like cunts. <laughs> Still one of the greatest quotes in, yeah, in any mean, walk Castro's of life, retired really. Since we were lost on the air as well, can we just pour one out for that <laughs> all-time, all-world legendary thing? Yes, oh. glorious stuff. Yeah, so we'll see. Leicester fans, what do you mm-hmm. think? I mean, are you... I wouldn't be surprised if a lot... I'm not a Leicester fan, right? But I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Leicester fans said, yes, it was time, but it should have been the end of the season. He's been a good... I, I se- kind you of know, agree with that. Nothing's going to go badly wrong for them this season now, is it? 
I don't. Yeah, they're not getting relegated. It, so they're not they're not going to win it. They're not going to get relegated. They could just keep munching through. He could, you know, they could they could develop Scott. He could work with Major a bit more. They could even start making the moves this season, perhaps. Well, they could basically say to Cockerell, "We're not going to sack you out of respect for everything that you've done. everything that you've done for the club, and, and because for, we're a bit a player and a coach, you. Yeah. and because you're quite scary, and we don't want you to punch us <laughs> in the face. Um, but you will be being let go at the end of the season. Yeah. Take how know, do you want to play it? Yeah, how do you want to play it? If you can, if you still want to take the team forward, you know, to sort of be a supervisor while we kind of let Major take the reins for six months, and you just kind of take a little bit of a step back, that's mm. fine. Or you I can go I now. To be honest, I think he may have turned that down. Even if it was I offered, imagine, I think he would have. Yeah, but at least too then proud it would for have that and quite right. Mutual consent. <laughs> yes, true. Um, or a bit more mutual, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so let us know, Leicester fans. What do you think? At yeah. Mudder, at Josh Gardner, would you, are you happy he's gone? Was is should he have gone before the start of the season? Maybe. Well, I, I don't. After they just reached the Heine, uh, the Champions yeah. Cup semi final, and they just allowed him to spend all that money. Mm. What's going wrong, really? They must. He's been in charge for a long time. It was going in the right direction. It's not been great this year, but oh, you don't. You never know what goes on here inside. Well, the they, I think they've spent. They've signed badly in terms of. That's true. They're big. They're like. Whatever they call them, the marquee signings, you know, Jean de Villiers, two games. But I mean, the th- yeah, and with that one, it's not as if you could say, well, you couldn't expect that, is it? I mean, Tamu, you could say, well, look, you know, how's your yeah, luck? You can't, you can't do anything about that, can you? But, but de Villiers, you go, well, you're going to sign him. Yeah. And, you know. JP Peterson, past it, has been for at least 18 months. Yeah. Um, And Manu hasn't been able to get fit at any point in the last four years no and they've absolutely spunked the entire bank on him whereas they would have been much more sensible letting him go to Worcester and signing Benteo for probably about you know two-thirds or half the money yeah well we'll see oh yeah we'll see Hindsight is a bitch. Moving on before we get into the stuff from the the reviews from the festive period and the usual shit good stuff I am you remember, was it the last part of the pod before when it, somebody suggested that we should do, because we don't do British Lions 15s, we should do the no, shittish Lions 15. <laughs> and I yes, picked a, a mediocre team to go to New Zealand. Well, Ant Pease got in touch on Twitter, at Blood and Mud, and said, who's Ant Pease, whose Twitter handle is Mushy Pease, which I like, or Mushy PS, <laughs> like that, so it yeah. Mushy Pease, and said, after the shittish Lions triumph, thank you for using the word triumph, Ant, by the way. It was um, a triumph. Don't say it wasn't. How about an all-time Gittish Lions 15? <laughs> of worthy, yet viscer- viscerally unbearable players. I think viscerally yeah. unbearable might be a little bit strong, but if we try and go for it... Now, I put this to, I put this to you, didn't I, Josh? Just so you know you out did. there. What the I said to Josh, we're going to do a Gittish Lions 15. You came back and asked me... What did you ask me? I can't even remember. What you asked me was, um, hang on, do we mean like... An all-time like Gittish people in a Lions team, and I said yes, do that. Oh yes, yeah. And I see. Then what I thought that we'd agreed was that it's the git the, the most Gittish fifteen from everyone who's played for the Lions. Played for the Lions. Whereas I just took it, took it as the biggest dickheads of Great Britain and Ireland ever. Now, so, so we've a probably lot of them got two. Lions, di- in fairness, we've but... probably got two slightly different fifteens here, but. Mm. You see, what I was going to open with, if you'd done the same as me, was to say what I've realised is, is looking back through a number of years of Lions squads, it's amazing yeah. how few total gits yeah. have been chosen. There's some, 
but it's not the Lions generally tends to pick people who aren't complete gits. Yes. Which says something about the assumed wisdom that if you're, you know, very good, you have to be an arrogant tosspot. Yeah, no, by and large, I think if I had stuck to the... I've part, that's partly why I just went, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to do whoever. Yeah. Because I was just like, well, most of them are quite nice, to be honest. I struggled I will... to find two gittish wingers, I'll be honest. I was relying on um, you to come up with one. So we'll, we'll go on to that later yeah. on. I, I had to bend the rules ever so slightly, but yeah, we'll come so on to it. So I'll go on to my... All of my selections have played for the Lions or been on a Lions tour. Yes. Right? Mine uh, yours not. may not have. So yes. we'll go... I'll go front row first, right? I've okay, got yeah. you and Murray because yes. of his pious skittishness. Oh, God, I hated that. Mark Regan. Don't need to explain <laughs> any more than saying his name. You absolutely don't. And then for the other prop, I was struggling. And I was, I, I was, I, when you look through the whole list, and I, I was kind of, ch- I was between Charlie Faulkner, who's a mm-hmm. git because of the evilness of it, of the man. Yes. Back in Welsh prop from the 70s. And Matt yes. Stevens because of the whole, you know, Columbia yeah. marching powder scenario mm. and being on that celebrity X Factor thing. Oh God, he was, wasn't he? Oh, that's enough in itself. So, what's your I front mean, row? I just went for horrible people. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and ironically, two of them were Welsh. Um, for one prop, I went Gary Jenkins. Um, it's very ironic that he's now a committed born again Christian because he was a horrible, horrible bastard. He was a hooker, though, wasn't he? Uh, he was hooker. Yes. Oh fuck! I've done this wrong, haven't I? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But either way, he was front row. Go on. Yes. Um, and then I gone. For I'll Chris say Jones. it before Twitter says it to you, Josh. That's all I'm saying. That's the way I'm saying it yes, now. I'm not yeah. trying to be a twat. That's just. I got confused in my brain there. Um, and the other one, my other prop is um, Chris Jones, the Triorki prop who got banned for life twice for just being an absolute thuggish, horrible bastard what in the seventies. Seventies, right? Yeah. But he, but he was banned for life and then appealed and got reinstated and <laughs> he, then got banned for life he, again. He used the boys will be boys. And uh, another one defend. that's also a born-again Christian now. Well, what is it with Welsh psychopaths becoming born-again <laughs> Christians? Um, and, yeah, my hooker, because I got slightly... Uh, I've eaten too much chocolate, I'll level with you, um, was Dylan Hartley, because obviously... Well, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, do you want to go second row? You, you go. You do your second rows, and I'll do mine. Okay. Uh, my first second row, Danny Grucock. That's yeah, I see how I had dotted Danny Grucock from my line <laughs> selection. Yeah. Just an absolute shit house. Yes. Um, and my other one um, is a bit more left field, and that is uh, Neil Francis of Thirty Five Caps of Ireland fame. Um, to be honest with you, he's bang average player, but as a journalist and a pundit, um, he has probably proved himself to be not just a git, but let's be honest, a twat. <laughs> probably the worst journalist in rugby um, and the most needlessly inflammatory shithousing. Ugh. Yes. And what did you so say his, his most notable achievement in international rugby was? Uh, it was getting sparked out, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I told, I, I told, was it Tony Copsey or Tony Clemens? Yes. Tony Copsey? Yes. Because <laughs> um, my, my, I was going for Lions selections only. Actual Lions, yes. My, num- my other lock was Paul Ackford. Ah, yeah. Only because actually, since he became a journalist, he became a right miserable git of a of a man when he became a journalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I would Plus, take he was that. a detective inspector in the police in the in the eighties, which means he must have been up to all kinds of dodgy shit. So, yeah, there were some bad things there, wasn't there? You could have. I want to apologise to the England fans out there for if it feels like all of mine are English because I was really trying not to, but 
you've produced yeah. some grade A dickheads over the years. Uh, um, okay, moving then. into the back row. Yeah. <laughs> Eighth, Flat. Dean Ryan. Eighth, Dean Ryan. Yeah. All right, Dean Richards, I've got. Uh, toss a coin. Dr. Both called Dean. Yeah. Dean Richards because of Bloodgate, basically. Uh, and yeah, a horrible Dean Ryan, bastard. just because he's an arsehole on the field and he was a knob end as a coach as well. Let's be honest. <laughs> right, number six. Statistically, Dean Ryan, the most gittish number eight. Imagine oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. He will be. He'll probably uh, actually no. write to you now with a statistically proving that he isn't. That Dean probably Richards will, yeah. was, in fact, more gittish. Yeah. Who's, <laughs> who's your blind side? Uh, my blind side is Alan Quinlan. Of course, he's mine as well, yeah. Yes. Number seven. Um, and uh, my, my seven uh, is where I've bent the rules again. It's Callum Clark. Yes. Again. What an abs- yeah. I was going again for people who've been selected at number seven for the Lions, and some we've already yeah. mentioned today, Andy Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, why not? Andy Robinson, when he played, was five foot nine and thirteen stone. Fucking hell! How open signs have changed. That wouldn't be a scrum off these that days. That wouldn't be anything. That's Matthew Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> basically. And people say Matthew he's Morgan too small. He's a fullback. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my. So Quinlan Robinson Richards was mine. You had Quinlan. Clark, Clark, Ryan, Stroke, Richards. Ryan. Right, we all know who the scrum half's going to be, don't we? Well, let's let's see. Okay, <laughs> you Matt, go first. Matt Dawson. Of course, it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who? Yeah. I very nearly. If I was like you, I was struggling with the wings. I very nearly put someone else in there, but we'll come to that later. Ah, yes, I know because he's on one of my wings as well. <laughs> uh, so, of course, it is. Uh, number um, t- number ten. Ten. Ronan Nogara. Now you see, I've gone for that as well. Well, it's again, picking from the lions' pool, yeah, rather than Ogara. I mean, what else do you? I mean, not just a bit of a shit, but just yeah. What he did in a lions shirt just still makes me angry. What he did in a lions shirt, endless full-on purple face meltdowns. Yeah, just annoying, really annoying. Cue lots of monster fans writing in saying what a disgrace and that he's the second coming of Christ. But basically, yes. But, but an angry, a ruddy-faced one. <laughs> um, centres. I've got Henson. Yes. Um, who did play, or famously didn't play in a Lions test team, did he? Did he play mm. in 2005? I can't, I can't remember, remember if he got on in the end or not. Um, I mainly remember him talking to to Clive Woodward. In that special picture, yeah. and they were walking yeah. along. Oh, fucking hell. The taste of choice moment. Is the, is the, um, yep. Uh, outside centre, take your pick. I couldn't decide between Guskett and Will Carling. I went Carling. Right. Just because he's the smuggest of smug gits. Yes. Now, wings. Uh, now, obviously, Austin wings. Healy's on one. Obviously. Well, there we go. I very nearly put him at nine, and then I remembered I could put him at at, at 14. And, and I, I genuinely like, yeah. couldn't find another winger who was this awful. Because if you go back in time, you're looking at like JJ Williams and Gerald Davis, yeah. all these people who are perfectly fine. Even. The most gittish one I could find of recent years, who's not really that gittish, he's just more nondescript and disappearing. It was Dan Luger. Oh, I mean, yeah. But I mean, you know, he wasn't, he's, it's unfair to call him a git. He was just this no, thing that was there for a while and then no wasn't there anymore. There. Yeah. Um, and um, I beyond, was, that, I was beyond that, you're looking at, you know, Tommy Bow and Shane and yeah. all people who are, just seem yeah. quite nice, really. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, I was obviously in much, I had a, the whole, frankly, the breadth and depth of dickhead wingers to <laughs> yeah because you just you threw the shackles off and just started I looking did. around and, yeah. and where else do i need to go but down on armitage <laughs> i mean <laughs> shit 
house. Yes. Uh, fullback, again, I was picking from Gittish Lions, actual yes. Lions. So the most, again, difficult, the most the most Gittish one I could find. You could say JPR was Gittish, mainly because of his propensity to smack people. <laughs> yeah, but that was quite endearing. But that was, uh, we love that though. But really, I, the, worst I could think, the worst I could come up with was Lee Byrne, and that's only because he's blocked you on Twitter for no good reason. <laughs> I mean, he has blocked me on Twitter for no good reason, but I wouldn't hold it against him, to be honest. <laughs> Well, but I was struggling, so I had to have a, yeah. something had to tip it over the line. <laughs> you know, I, well, could, I couldn't put, I couldn't put Matt Perry in there, could I? No. You know, what, what, what was gittish about Matt Perry? Nothing. <laughs> well, it just goes to show that, by and large, men who have abs- actually represented the Lions are, with the exception of a few players, pretty decent yeah, men. Yeah, it seems so. I mean, somebody you could some, call somebody like John Owen git and he was a bit of a git was, i was toying with jono for that reason but i was toying he was with delalio at eight for that he reason was too as well. triumphant really to, and too yeah. much of a true great to be to, to exactly to you could that, even really. say that something like o'connell was a bastard on the field but he wasn't oh, a bastard dear, off that'd it. be stretching reality beyond what's possible well, who was your fullback? That stopped us. that's true yeah who was your fullback by the way uh mike brown sorry uh, oh yeah easy he didn't go on the last tour did he there he was, didn't. There no. was much. He... There were much arguments about that, weren't there? If yeah. I remember at the time, it was not as bad as the Rory Best Gate. Uh... That was the, then. Of course, they went Hartley told the referee to fuck off. No, called him a <laughs> fucking cheat. Sorry, didn't tell him to fuck off. Yes, it's sort of similar, but I love the Wayne Rubin. He said to Wayne Barnes, a ref. He said, "Did he say fucking cheat? Yes. Did you believe he was saying it to you? Yes, I believed that at the time. Right <laughs> then, you're banned. There's no sort <laughs> of question. No, I believed he was directing it at me. Right then, you're banned." Tell you what, it's, though, when I was looking through these squads, yeah, did you look through historical Lions squads? I did, yes. Them? How many what-the-fuck moments did you have oh my r- God. looking like, at people who were on the tours? Went, what, f- what, how, when, why? How, I don't remember have, this. The, the very fact that, like, I mean, it's still Billy Twelve Trees. Yeah. I mean, that's still... That's the legend. talk one. about Gatland bringing the Lions into disrepute last <laughs> time, though, I mean... There were some fucking... I mean, as much as I love the man, what the fuck was Andy Powell doing on a Lions tour in 2009? Yeah. Darren Morris in 2001. Hell yeah. Big fat Swansea prop Darren Morris, who I saw play for the Barbarians once and he threw a magnificent dummy and broke through. A bit like that lad who was playing for (laughs) Bonamine the other week. Yes. But, but really, what was he doing? 2001, he he, he wasn't even an injury replacement. He was on the original tour, Darren Morris. (laughs) Andy's... Yeah, that's the thing. You can sort of understand it if there was some... Which is what 12 you know... Trees was, wasn't he? He was covered. Yeah, he so was an injury. Can... And same with Shane Williams. But, you know, yeah, and... there were some there were some very odd... 2005, Andy Titterell. Fucking To be hell. fair, they did take most of the professional playing, eligible playing players yeah. on that tour, Woodward, didn't he? Mm. But Andy Titterell, the, the old... Was it, was it Sale? Was he sale? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Sale hooker, but was like about 12 stone. He was an athletic, rangy, quick hooker, like <laughs> Phil Greening, but smaller. Um, yeah, it was... He nearly, made the, he nearly made it as well as a hooker, Phil Greening, by the way, to the Git team. <laughs> 2005. a good choice, actually. 2005 yeah. again. Ian, let's, let's not forget Ian Bolshaw in 2001 as well. Oh, Bolshaw, man. Bolsawood. Um <laughs> Yeah, 2005 was, of course, 2005 was dominated or should have been dominated, or certainly the squad was, by that Wales 
Grand Slam, Grand Slam team, but and was, of course, was not. Yeah, Michael Owen. Yes, oh, history. See, no. History's not I, been kind to Michael Owen. <laughs> he was a he was a player from a different era, in <laughs> like, but I he was just a footballing eight, and people yeah, lovely hands. But, but he did have lovely, lovely hands. hands. <laughs> he didn't, I, I want sat. It sort of says a lot about Michael Owen that in two thousand and six or seven, maybe I was um, on a bargain budget flight to Florida from. Cardiff Wales Airport and was sat next to Michael Owen and his family on fucking Monarch or something like that. <laughs> it was just like, oh, the glamour. You've just, you just technically captained us to the Grand Slam. Could you not afford to like go in premium economy? I, I love that but you no. used the word technically captained us to the Grand Slam. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah. yeah. That says a lot about everything that he achieved in his career, yeah. didn't it, really? Michael Owen, yeah, because he was—I actually played against Michael Owen in a sevens really? tournament. Yeah, wow! And it was—it was a every year at Cardiff, at my club's ground, the mm. Gareth Edwards sevens would be held for Royal oh, for yeah. Cardiff Institute for the Blind raising money. <laughs> every it was—it was August Bank Holiday weekend, and every year, it pissed it down for about four years. And Gareth used to be there doing the commentary and stuff. <laughs> And, and and I think I played in 99, probably, the year Michael Owen. And Michael Owen was very young then and was just coming through at Ponty, I think, then. Mm. And they'd sent down this young people's team and we played against them and got absolutely fucking murdered. And he was, <laughs> I mean, you know, compared to people like us, I was playing for my club, uh, my not for the club, for the company I worked for then, mm. finance company, and they'd obviously paid money to put a team in and all that local yeah, yeah. support. But he, yeah, he looked, compared to us, he was like, you know, another worldly being, but uh, yes, and if he, he, he also he also had a Nissan Micra with his name on the side. I'll never forget that. Was, <laughs> how oh, he got in God. it, I don't know. But <laughs> that is impressive. That is, you know, Ian Henderson in a mini level silliness. Yes, um, that's not quite as other not. two other hilarious people who've played for the Lions, two thousand and five. Yeah. Ollie Smith. Now I've looked at Ollie Smith as well. I was, I was going to say to you, do you remember Ollie Smith? Unbelievable, and also. Gareth Cooper. Gareth Cooper. What in the name of fuck? Was Gareth, Gareth Cooper, Cooper doing on was quick. And that's the end of the conversation. Yes, basically. <laughs> apparently, he came out of retirement, apparently, um, quite recently, a couple he, of weeks ago. He can't be that old now. He must only he's be. 30, he's 37. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it looks like he spent most of his retirement in the gym and he hasn't got any hair anymore. I bet he's an MMA really athlete now. Or, I bet he's a crossfitter. But all scum yeah, becomes crossfitters, they all are, don't aren't they? they? Um, but yeah. Yeah, so Gareth, Ollie, Ollie Smith, who left, was left out of the 2005, there's another backstory with Ollie Smith, left out of the 2005 England squad be, yeah. behind Matthew Tate. Oh, Remember how that went? <laughs> yes, that went really well, didn't it? And then he went to Montpellier, and then he came back to Quinns to try and get into the England squad and had a career-ending injury. He was oh, a talented a lad, actually. You can see why he did fit that Bolter mould. He was young, he was promising. Yeah, and, all that. Yeah. and as I said, they took everybody on that they tour. literally Apart everyone. from Chris Patterson, who never got to go on a tour. <laughs> so, even though they took <laughs> about 80 players funny. on that tour, Chris still Patterson funny. didn't get to go on a tour. Neither Gareth yeah. Clewellyn. Never no, got a Lions is, tour. Which is more of a shame. Which is more of a shame. Um, yes. Yeah, so Ollie Smith, yeah, good shout. Gareth Cooper, yeah. yeah. Demi Morris going in, two, in 1993. Yeah, that's because I mean, England just won everything then. 
Yeah. If anything, more England players should have played in that team. Yeah, that's probably true, actually. Still would have lost, like, but then... <laughs> yeah, so there you go. There is the Gittish Lions come out from slightly different angles. And, yeah, I think about two-thirds of our team were largely but the same. Yeah, I mean, I did try to stick to players you would have heard of. I just yeah. couldn't resist putting... <laughs> English Certain people in, yes, in we know, right. Well, and, and Neil Francis. <laughs> and Neil Francis, uh, yes, yeah. fair point. Um, so, yeah, have we missed anybody out? Let us know, at bloodandblood at Josh Cameron. Yes, anybody gittish do. in the lines? I did look through and I was struggling. They seem to be generally, you know, Quite a nice great people. bunch of lads, yeah. the Lions. Or people who are dickheads, but they allow their accomplishments slash general brilliance. Yes. Makes yes. them not dicks. Right. Let's have a talk about the festive period, shall we, uh, mm. quickly. Um, as quickly as it is possible for us to do so, obviously. Yes, I mean it's been quite uneventful, really, isn't it? Apart There's from been... Bristol. Well, that's the that's the big one has been Bristol. Like, how many times have we said on this podcast this season, Bristol are definitely going down. They're absolutely mm. shafted. There's mm. no way they're staying up, and yet here they are. They've won technically five games on the bounce in all competitions now. Um, There's obviously only a certain big. amount of like mojo to be passed around that bottom three or four teams, <laughs> and they've obviously yeah. just like had it all for Christmas. Massive. As so. much as well as they're doing, everybody else is diametrically opposite. Yeah, I mean, Worcester got a, a relatively decent win against Quinns, although they tried to throw it away as best they could. But Sale, fucking hell. Yes. Again, and I can only apologise for me saying that I expected them to kick on this season. I mean, what has happened yeah. to AJ McGinty in that team? Um, nothing good, I'll tell you that for nothing. Because he went from looking like a fairly accomplished on the verge of international recognition outside... Well, no, sorry, he has had international recognition for yeah. America. Outside half. recognition, yeah. Uh, to looking like a bag of washing. Yeah, a man who guided Connick to the Pro 12 title last yeah, season. Yeah, and basically was all part of how they play. And, and now he just... Mm. Which makes me wonder, what? why on God's earth would George Ford want to go there? This is the thing that... I I'm genuinely staggered by it. It'd like, be an amazing signing for them. It'd be an amazing what, signing for them, but he. But what would it do for him? Such, and also, he is such a difficult player to sort of. You've basically got to build your entire team around making him better, in the same way that England have done. You need to hmm. compensate for his flaws and hmm. accentuate his positives. Otherwise, he is a fucking bag of shit, as he has proved more than once in his career, because he is not the complete 10. And given how much and, they're going to have to pay for him, it's yeah, that argument, could they, they get, get the money could they, for the parts? Could they get three other players who could get them into the playoff? Yeah, other than I him? think the answer is emphatically yes, they definitely could. And if it's something like AJ Ford is better than AJ McGinty, right? Mm, but AJ better. McGinty's not 80% worse than him. And AJ McGinty mm. doesn't look like he has a fucking Scooby what he's doing in that team. And no. he hasn't become a bad player. No. So what's going on? It's all gone a bit... It's, it's, it's the same sort of thinking that led Worcester to spunk all their money on Ben Teo. Yeah, how's that looking now, by the way? Well, I mean, he had a good game on the weekend, but he looks like he doesn't want to be there. And they haven't got any other players... <laughs> Do you think, do you got, think he thought he may, they said wasps? Maybe. Maybe they thought, yeah, we're probably, playing the Midlands. I, thought, I, think, I, think, yeah, I think they said Worcester, but there's no way they've got that much money. It must be wasps. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign the contract, no problem. Yeah, or Gloucester, or somebody that <laughs> has money. But you look at their squad, it's, it's paper thin, and they've got no depth whatsoever because 
they're paying him fucking 300 grand a year or whatever. Hmm. And, yes. Yeah, Speaking of Gloucester, it, it, gets, oh. it, it gets no better. <laughs> and did you see did you see that Gloucester Northampton game? I mean it was the second worst game I watched this weekend. And <laughs> that's that's that says a, uh, in the, the first one was obviously Osprey's Dragons and that one was basically mud wrestling. Yeah, but look, that game was all about one thing for Osprey's. Doesn't matter. Yes. It, you know, that was about winning and avoiding yeah. the Cuthbert Police on Cup. That was nothing Absolutely. to do. And you could see the the tension, but you we'll come see, on to that. Yeah, um, see, but Gloucester I mean not Gloucester Northampton, the light they're like two fading powers having an argument. You know, I imagine this is what it must be like when, I don't know, former Soviet dignitaries get together with old CIA mm. people at a hotel conference and end up having a massive row. It just ends up being two old men shouting at each other for absolutely no point. And that's yeah. kind of what this, that, that just what that looked like. These kind of faded people doing their best to do an impression of people who still matter. Yeah, and there—I mean, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because obviously, Saints still have good players in there somewhere, and Gloucester have good players in there somewhere. <laughs> they're in there somewhere. But they're in there somewhere. Matt Scott's a fucking good player, and it's like, where's just oh. there's yes. talk that what's his face, the bloke who owns Montpellier, is going to buy Gloucester the end of the season and use him and as basically... a feeder for, make everyone retire and then sign for Montpellier next season <laughs> well it does seem like he's <laughs> going to basically try to game the system a Ross Moriarty will be retiring to become a, a yes. coal miner until the end of the season and then, uh, not terribly yeah. stereotypical there I do apologise to you Welsh people out there all my family are miners that's my defence yeah I mean <laughs> the one place that Ross Moriarty isn't going to be doing any coal mining is in Wales let's face it <laughs> well not in, well, in, in Britain um, basically yeah um he could go to so, Poland, yeah. except he can't because the free market will be over with. Anyway, yeah, we digress. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I just, I look at Bristol and I think, you know what? They looked like a rudderless bag of shit under Andy Robinson, but slowly, hmm. Mark Tainton has kind of turned them into a bit of a coherent unit at just about the right time. And it like, didn't take long either, did it? It just, they, they looked better instantly. But they've gradually been building confidence and coherency to the point where, you know, they've got home games to come against Sale, against Gloucester, against Quinns and against Newcastle. Newcastle, like, not so much. But Quinns travel appallingly. Sale don't travel well. No. And Quinns, Gloucester don't do uh, anything Gloucester well. So. Don't do anything well. And Newcastle, let's face it, by the t- their last game of the season... Right. They've got Newcastle at home. Oh, Newcastle probably, are probably going to be safe the by, home then, and by then, and they yeah, will yeah, yeah. basically be on the beach. I, mm. I mean, there's a long way to go, and you don't want to get carried away, but because they're obviously still technically getting relegated right now. But um, yeah, for the who, first time since week one, I have a tiny bit of hope that they might. Who's top of the championship? Um, I Let's assume it's London Irish, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing you see because you can't even rely on the fact that actually it'll be someone shit who won't be promoted like Cornish yeah, no, Pirates it, it, or something it's like def- that. If it's not London, London Irish, Irish it's definitely coming back. And if it's so. not London Irish, it'll be Carnegie. Yeah, we've obviously got a very good setup and no problems with their eligibility and ground and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, well, the only sort of one of those top half clubs that, that isn't is going to have problems would be Cornish Pirates. But yeah, 
Yeah, so, yeah, it's bizarre how quickly things can flip. But all of a sudden, I don't think Bristol are a team that, and especially if, you know, if they can sign some of the players that are being talked about them signing Mm. until the end of the season. And then Pat Lamb comes in. And then Pat Lamb, well, if they can stay up and Pat Lamb comes in, they, hello. The picture looks completely different. And then we come back to the discussions we were having at the beginning of the season. Lovely stadium, decent investor. Very well set up. Within mm. three weeks, it was well. Forget all that because they're an absolute pile of plop. But actually, yeah, yeah we spoke too soon. Yeah, and now it's on for not for the first time. Let's face it, and we may well be speaking too soon again. But isn't that a perfect example of people? Get... People can get very sniffy and moralistic about the fact you shouldn't sack people mid-season. But if they kept Andy Robinson, I, don't I know, I know, you never know the answer. But I do not believe this would have happened. You know, this would be happening. No, they looked an absolute shower with Robinson as head coach, and. The transformation was marked, and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere either. I mean, no. it is still, you know, there's still a long way to go. But if nothing else, you know, then we were talking about them doing a a London Welsh or a Mosley and going Absolutely. down in flames without winning a game. And now, yeah, I wouldn't want to play them, like unless I was a Wasps or a Saris, and they've already played Saris at home, but. I wouldn't want to play them if I at home if I was pretty much any other team in this outside the top four in the Prem. To be honest with you, true. Um, who else? Wasps had a good break. They did. They are sat Exeter, atop. I thought they had a good break as well. Like Exeter not so much Bath for the was, performance. Well, Exeter Bath was just inexplicable. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was robbery. I've had a very was... busy. I've had a very busy festive period with lots of visitors, and so I've saw I've seen a lot of highlights, but I didn't actually see get to sit down and watch all the games. And I actually sat and watched Bath Exeter, and it was baffling. It, it was like it was no like sense. it was like watching a game that the result had no relation to. It was like some mm. kind of elaborate lie. It was like a moon landing <laughs> hoax. That kind yeah, of actually it was basically happened. the prestige in Game Four, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. it was like, ah, you're watching this, but in fact, like the game yes. with Michael Douglas, he fell through the glass ceiling at the end, and it was like, no, you've lost, mate. <laughs> oh fuck, have I? Yeah. So because Exeter, I mean. They, they, just, they didn't good. do anything no. <laughs> for 80 minutes. Not a single fucking thing. And Bath were looking, looking were up, they were all phasey and they were all, you know, and, and they were pretty decent. And the, 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 the scrum didn't do too well for a, for a while. But generally but speaking... Is, but this is a, a worrying theme that I've started to... Because obviously I went to watch that Bath-Sarries game and it was mm. exactly the same. Like, Bath did everything right... They played. They put it through the phases. They were relatively solid in the set piece. They were good on the deck. They were relatively solid defensively, but they could not put teams away. And they very nearly lost against Saris in a game that they completely dominated. And then they did lose against Exeter in a game they completely dominated. And that is a bad habit to be getting into at this time of the year. But I remember you saying as well, though, at that point you made, I think it was about Bath, but it stands, if it wasn't about Bath, it stands anyway. This whole they didn't have a preseason, did they? They had a direct, well, no, yeah. well, if they did, they had a preseason without their director of rugby. So there would have been somebody just yeah. running them through, getting them fit, and getting them through drills and working on whatever Ford was doing. Yeah. last year, and then yeah. Blackadder didn't come in until what was it? A week and two weeks for the start of the season. It was something ridiculous. So I suppose actually day, that, yeah. that thing that we're witnessing with them is probably realistically what you can expect. They look better. It's, it's a bit growing pains, it's, isn't it's, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's implementing a new structure. He's implementing a new strategy and. Some of it's working, but mm. they keep losing games. If you were to go to Todd, Todd Blackadder now and say, are you happy? 
he would probably say, well, I want to be winning more, but actually, yeah. Because yeah, it's starting to look like a team that ultimately in the will way that win. We want to, yeah. It will win, and it will win consistently. Mm. But I did notice Alec Brew came off in that game to be replaced by Watson. See, it's the beginning of the end, I think. See, I don't, I don't want to say it's over. But... <laughs> it's, it's, it's been too <laughs> lovely a ride to say it's uh, over. On the plus side, he'll be going off with England in a couple of weeks, so... That's true, the, yeah. The Brooks show and is back. He has signed the new 18-month contract. Well, so. to be fair, to be realistic, they are going to lose players, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Especially, you know, ones that are as injury-prone as Watson has shown himself to yeah, be. Yeah, Joseph will be going off so. to England yeah. as well, won't he? So, yeah. Brooke can cover the entire bat line now, as he's, as he's demonstrated. He, he is Mr. Verstel. Realistically, though, somebody said he was terrible in the game. Not against, The game against Wasps, he was terrible. And it was like, well, no, he wasn't terrible. He was he was obviously terrible in that, in the first five minutes, he dropped that ball straight into Wade's arms, and he ran in and scored. Yeah, which is bad. But other than that, he actually he's <laughs> he he's, right. he's hitting up well. He's offloading. He's yeah. yeah, you know. It's like people were saying that Cuthbert was awful uh, for the Blues against the Scarlets on the weekend, and he had two moments where he did something very bad, and you sort of groaned and went, "Oh, for God's sake, just put him out of his misery." Yeah. But the rest of the game, he was perfectly serviceable. Well, I did, and he's I, trying really hard. <laughs> I wrote a piece <laughs> yeah. on the blog where I talked about uh, foregone conclusion syndrome, where it was like mm. Aled Brew 1, foregone conclusion syndrome 0. Well, that, that this idea builds up of this is what a player yeah. is like, either they're terrible or that's the mistake that they made or they're no good and stuff like that. Like, I give you an ex- and, and some people on Twitter, I didn't ask for this, but some people on Twitter started coming back with other examples. Cuthbert is probably one of them. It's now a foregone mm. conclusion that he's awful. Yes. How, what can he do to turn that around? I think, you know, probably start scoring again because then you don't notice how the it deficits would help, are. Yeah. But somebody said, you know, you know, I'll be honest, it's a new year, let's have a new resolution. Haskell, you could have said there was a foregone conclusion syndrome with him, wasn't not good enough to play international rugby and all that, and he's, for whatever reason, as much as it fucking pains me to say it, he's demonstra- <laughs> demonstrably showing that he can play international rugby, as yeah. limited as it might be. I'm qualifying this, obviously, but... Uh, well, yeah. Tom Varndell, somebody mentioned. Reese wow. Priestland's a really good one. A really good yeah. call. Yeah. Four because that rapidly syndrome. turned into a self-fulfilling prophecy, didn't it? Because the second that he made one mistake, yeah. the crowd got on his back. And then that just compounded things because you could tell that it bothered him. Yeah. Very Which, true. Yeah. Somebody mentioned Tom Varndell. Yeah. It's a foregone conclusion he can't defend and all that and stuff. And, you know, we do write people off early. People's is, the, the sum the sum of people's career is decided at the age of twenty five based on some mistakes. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters. I'm just saying that people can still be decent pros. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Yeah, well, this is home, and you can do it the other way around as well. It's like. That's true. Take yeah. George North, for example, you know, at age 
18, you know, he was going to smash all try scoring records, all appearance records. He was going to do everything. You know, he was going to be one of the greatest wingers that has ever played the game. And let's be honest, I mean, it's not his fault in the slightest because he's had, you know, terrible problems with concussion. But it's now getting to the point where most of us would probably still be, be quite surprised if he was still playing rugby in a few years time. Yes. And it's very it's 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 very easy to get carried away both positively and negatively and i think twitter and the internet does not help that at all yes it's true because nobody comes up out of the spotlight do they it's like if you think no. about you think about someone like Keelan Giles now oh fucking hell who yeah looks, well exactly oh, and and Sam Underhill right mm. who look very talented lads one in Massive, his teens so, still yeah. one just out of his teens if they get capped now, they they could have their entire future written for them in six months because of some mistakes. And if they make a mistake, the same mistake twice, that'll be it. Well, look at Tom Pridey, mm. Wales's youngest ever try yes. scorer. Still, you know, scored try against the Springboks on his debut at the age of what was it, seventeen, something like that, mm. or maybe just eighteen. And, you know, everybody was saying, well, what a talent we've discovered. He's going to play for Wales for years. And he can't even get into the Dragons team a lot of the time. <laughs> it, al- now, it always ends you know. with, he's now at the Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I in mean, Wales it does, isn't it? He's at Dragons some things, now. Some yes. things are inevitable. <laughs> but, yeah, but, you know, everybody was expecting that <laughs> He's now that at he basically was... the drip tray of Welsh rugby. <laughs> Sorry, Dragons fans. Yeah, the uncleaned drip tray of Welsh rugby. Yeah, um, yeah. In in cricket, uh, in Test cricket in particular, a lot of players, batsmen specifically, mm. come in and are given like twenty tests, and in the end, then you never see them again. And it's usually because of some very specific technical flaw that they can't yeah. they can't get out of. Michael Bevan, who played for Australia, who was one of the, the well remains one of the best one day batsmen ever, couldn't deal with a high ball, for example. Yeah. My favourite, the the, you know, the 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 short pitch ball. You know, he couldn't deal with it. He just he kept yeah. he kept edging it. My favourite player growing up as a Lancashire lad was Neil Fairbrother, who I was almost crying when he never got picked for England after about seven tests because he had his, his, he couldn't bring his bat down flat enough. He had like half bat shots as they call it, like with his bat t- yeah. tilted away he was, with a slip cord and he got caught. I'm not going to bang on about cricket too much, but there's sometimes no matter how much you coach somebody, they can't get out of a specific technical flaw. There are fine, fine margins. Yeah. At being a professional player and not, let yeah. alone being a test player and a good test player yeah. and not. Yeah, and it's know? that thing about sometimes people are not very good at catching the high ball and you can kick a thousand at them every week and they still mm-hmm. won't be very good at it. Yeah. So there's no point in putting them in an international team. Yeah. Some and players that's... simply will never be able to tackle properly because not of their well size. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, or you know, to... the Arwell yeah. Thomas syndrome. You know, there was only so long that Wales could keep experimenting with him before the fact that he was simply too small. Yeah. Had to be dealt with and there was no getting around it. And I think that's the thing you go back to. I mentioned Varndell. His positioning Mm. never seems to have got any better. No. Even this. He's probably given up now, but even because he's doing fine. Well, I mean, he's like, fuck it, I'm being paid. Who cares? Yeah. But I think this is the thing about this foregone conclusion syndrome. Certainly, if it's a negative one, it's like, well, actually, let's get specific. What is it that is the problem? Don't just say he's rubbish. 
Yeah. What is it he's that's not, the problem? Certainly not. Yeah. No, not to say he's genuinely awful. What is it? Well, he can do that well, but he can't do that well. The Rocket Dungooney thing. Yeah. I think what we're discovering is he can do certain things very well, like very making well. Ollie Woodburn sit on his ass while he pushes him over to score. <laughs> but yeah. he can't. His last ditch tackling is appalling. Yeah. And when you're an outside centre, an outside back, or a fullback, if your one-on-one tackling is bad, people, you you will be usually in open pasture when that is exposed. Yes, there won't and even then be people you around. Look much, you. much worse. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. we completely tangented there, sort of. But um, yeah, but it's, it speaks volumes to where you know to the what Eddie Jones wants hmm. from a winger, and for you know the debate between Noel, who sort of demonstrated in no uncertain terms what he is good at hmm. in that bath game, namely tackling like a motherfucker for 80 minutes not making mistakes, being great over the ball, just being incredibly solid and offering a and very... And scores a bit. He doesn't... He could score more. Yeah. There's people who will score more, but he's not He's not a trialless winger, although he was when he was selected for England, weirdly. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, the, um... but he's not... Yeah, and he... But then you... And then contrast that with Rocket Taguni, who, if put in that England team, would score twice, if not three times the tries, mm. but would probably cost England... A lot more and it's also than... about the defensive shape thing, isn't it? I think that's why people like yeah. Kyle Eastman were dropped quite quickly. It's because they just they can't they can't work in the system. Yeah. And whether whether you like that or not, I think that's the reality. Yeah, that of where is the we're thing at. I think people often forget is that can he work in? This is the, the thing with people always calling for Matthew Morgan to play for Wales, for example, and, it's like, and Tipperick, and Tipperick as well to a lesser extent. Where did he fit in the system? The system has to change to incorporate these players because their talents. The classic, the most obvious example. Don't I, in, yeah. I always think of with with the the player that didn't fit the system, or the, or the most obvious one is, or I can only assume that's what the problem was, is Simon Shaw. Yeah. Incredibly long career, incredibly yeah. good player, never consistently picked by Clive Woodward. Now Clive yeah, Woodward didn't was make the, it onto a Lions tour until he was what forty. He went early, didn't he? Did he go in '97? Oh, yeah, he went and early then, and, and then, then he went, went again but, in 2009, wasn't but it? one of the most talented locks in the country, and nobody would ever dis- mm. dispute that, but Woodward, yeah. who was an arch system and analysis man, didn't pick him, and there must have been a very specific analytical reason why that didn't happen. Massively so, because he was a cracking player, Indeed. and he was winning everything under the sun at club level for Wasps at that point yeah. as well, so... So yeah, yeah, so there yeah. you go. Anyway, what were we talking? What were we talking about? We were reviewing Christmas certainly before I went off I on think that we one. We were, yeah. Anything? Well, um, the English Premiership. Anything else on that you want to mention? We probably no. Most of it, probably anything briefly. from the Pro Twelve we want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, biggest news in the Pro Twelve over the festive period are probably that people actually turned up. Um, yes, the Welsh Derbys had good crowds, didn't they? Good crowds, yeah, really good crowds in Ireland, and for a change, good crowds at all four derbies. Um, it should mean that there was some real optimism for the league going forward, but it was tempered, unfortunately, by the standard of rugby on show, particularly in Wales. Um, like, obviously, I mean, it was just... I I despair with Wales sometimes. We can't catch a break because, like, all of these teams, except for the Dragons, really have been playing cracking rugby at times this season hmm. and yet with the exception of blues versus scarlets which was a very good game um 
all of the games were a little bit shit. Like Blues Dragons was ruined by the ref just being way too whistle happy in the second half. Osprey Scarlets was ruined by just neither team wanting to lose. And Dragons Ospreys was ruined by the absolutely ridiculous state of the Rodney Parade title pitch. Um, yes. Which, and it's just, it's really frustrating because it's like the best time to shop window themselves to a Welsh public that still largely is quite unconvinced by regional rugby, let's be honest. Um, really? And they f- is it, why, is no, <laughs> why has nobody mentioned that? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, I'm not even talking about the fucking lunatics who bang on about it on Twitter. <laughs> just we all generally, know they are. Yeah, yeah, just generally, I know what you mean. But yeah, like, you know, there was probably... It's not capturing the imagination, interested. is it? No, No, it hasn't. And and they had a real chance to, you know, huge, you know, 20,000 people at the Liberty Stadium for Osprey Scarlet's on Boxing Day. And it was a fucking terrible game. And it's, it's a shame, just, isn't it's, it? It's annoying, but it happens, but... Ulster, by the way, are actually starting to fulfil their best backline in Europe uh, claim that you made about them to a certain extent. Well, Charles Piotr certainly is. Yeah, I'd say sort of like about five. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the outside backs are doing all right and the centres, I would say. The trouble is is that the rest of it is is really, really quite, uh, I'll be kind, misfiring. It's ropey, isn't it? And I'm not entirely sure why. No, I because they have got some either. very good players there. Good players, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just not really panning so, out, is it? A quick look at the table uh, tells me that Munster are still top. Yes. Ospreys are second. Do you fancy Ospreys to win it this year? Um, in a no. sentence? But I just, but purely because I think nobody is stopping Munster from winning the Pro 12 this year. Right. Like, I don't think that Munster can be carried on the wave of you know, grief and emotion all the way to winning the Champions Cup. But I do think that they could mm. probably do that in the Pro 12, to be honest. And Zebra down the bottom, and so Treviso as usual, and then the Dragons, uh, the bottom, and Edinburgh down there, which is it. And Connacht, last year's champion, the eighth. Uh, Zebra apparently are off, and we're going to get a Rome franchise. Yes, apparently so, which is definitely going to motivate all of those lads playing for Zebra for the rest of the season, isn't, isn't it? it? Isn't it? I'm assuming they won't yeah. be choopied across. As the, <laughs> like they would no, do here. Well, that's what when somebody's when, taking over the you know, business, lads. You're all being stupid over. You're losing your pension <laughs> rights. Yeah. Well, when Aroni became Zebra a couple of years ago, um, I I much preferred Aroni as a team name to Zebra. By the way, it, it was where did less Zebra many. come from? Is it is that is that Italian for zebras? Literally. Yeah. yeah. Also, it was that kind of whole lions type, a twist yeah. on that. Yeah. Well, Springbok, Aroni was like zebra. a heron. Oh. Which, I mean, is still not very good. I thought but, it was I mean, Italian for heroin. <laughs> which, ironically, was how most of the players looked like they'd taken some. When, uh, yeah, but... Uh, yeah, this yeah. everything just hasn't panned out, really. Well, the Rome one's going to be some kind of gladiator-type scenario, isn't it? It's going to be... That has been, well, they've basically wanted that from minute one. They wanted a franchise in Rome called the Gladiators, and that was kind of the Gladiatori, will it be called, or something? Yes, yeah. Um, I just only see my rugby league team, Lee, are mm, called Lee Centurions. Yeah. Despite the fact that we're not a Roman town and have no nope. links to anything Roman whatsoever. <laughs> it is quite possibly the worst naming ever. I mean, they're all shit, those names, anyway, but that one's particularly bad. Yeah, so why doesn't Rome just pick something incredibly random as well? Yeah. I mean, just something entirely unrelated. Kangaroos. Honey okay, badgers. Why not? Yeah, or they're like a really <laughs> stupid and obscure animal. Yeah, why not? Ocelots. 
Because that's quite See, a funny I would word. Go and watch the, I would watch the ocelots. <laughs> Imagine if you had that superimposed on a shirt. Like oh, the salt, see, that'd be great. <laughs> right, now I've got a new... Let the girl. word go forth from here. <laughs> we want the Roma ocelots to be playing ocelots. next season. But so no, yeah, yeah, I right. mean, yeah, Italian rugby, whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. It's so, uh, Don't so, go to, yeah, look forward to winning home and away against Zebra for the rest of the season, everybody, because nobody there can be bothered anymore, I be- think. Before we move off this, let's let's do hashtag uh, Dragons shit watch, well, which is not what it is again now. Yes. I mean, the festive period, one thing that was quite tumultuous over the festive <laughs> period was, of course, the Cuthbert Police on Cup. I mean... We had the Blues loaning it to Bath basically for a week, yeah, which we were all very sad about. And then the Bath they punching them repeatedly in the face about three hundred times, and then giving it back <laughs> to them, which is basically yes. what happened there. Um, uh, then they they had the Blues handed it over to the Dragons on Boxing Day, and then fittingly, uh, the men from Newport held onto it by losing ten nil at home to the Ospreys <laughs> on New Year's Day, in one of the most horrifically unwatchable <laughs> shit fests of a game you'll ever see. <laughs> Fuck me, it was awful. Um, like the picture we discussed, it does what it says on the tin, though, does it? There's so many of these games that are, either the games are appalling it's or the specific performance of the team who end up getting it is one of the worst you'll ever see. Yeah, it, it does. It is. It's it, it has a magic. I mean, I was watching this when I saw the state of the pitch as an Ospreys fan, given the significance of the game that only me, you, and a select group of listeners really <laughs> yes. understand. You know um, who you are, yeah. Yeah, I was very worried. <laughs> I was thinking, for all of my joking about the Ospreys getting lumbered with the CPC, that pitch looks like the worst... That looked like a heartbreaker. A heartbreaker well, it, of a it, pitch. It looked like a, the ultimate leveller. The ultimate leveller, I mean, yeah. After 20 minutes, it was impossible to tell and the Ospreys. Did, and it did level everybody to about, to about the, the seventh level of Dante's hell, basically. That Although I did night. enjoy that uh, Dan Evans, at half-time, his shirt, basically spotless. It's <laughs> Good white man. shirt, barely had. I was just like, even like every other player on the field, even Sam Davis was covered in mud. And he was just <laughs> remarkably pristine. It was like, what have you been doing? Good man. But yeah, um, 97, I think they might have even rounded this up since the... But at the end of the game, they were calling 97 kicks out of hand in Beautiful. that game, which mathematicians will tell you is more than one every minute. Which... As they say, one for the purists, as they say. <laughs> one for just the masochists. If you're purely into awful rugby, that's one yeah, for the purists. Yeah, it's a hateful game that makes you long for summer rugby, but um, or at least for someone to sort out the drainage at Rodney Parade. However... But... However, it looks like it, there's a very real possibility it could be returning to its original home on well, Friday. Well, exactly. Friday night, Treviso are heading to the bog that was once known as Rodney Parade. To uh, maybe they will have drained the pitch a little bit by then. But um, while we're on that... this, while we're on Rodney Parade for a minute, yeah. on Twitter, somebody yes. said made a joke about it being Rodney Parade. Sounds like something from Only Fools and Horses. Yes. And somebody came back and said, that's why people in Wales call it the Dave Parade. Dave Parade. Yes. And it was like, I lived in Wales and I lived in Cardiff for a long time. I have never heard that before. <laughs> Do people in I Wales call it what that? What he means is that some wags on Twitter right. and post. Because I've genuinely never heard that before. I have heard it, but it's right. not exactly common. Well, let's try and make it a thing. Yeah, Dave Parade. <laughs> or in... So at the Dave Parade like, next like week, Treviso roll into town. 
yes. with their radioactive uh, that... bee costumes on. And, um, Saying that though, Treviso very nearly beat Glasgow on the weekend. So um, that is true. It's going to be a gimme. Uh, right, that's the that's, cup that's, of peace uh, and cup. Seven days. If you're interested, the dragons have now held onto the uh, seven days. And the, it's a Friday night game, and it does throw up some strange results. Friday night, Friday, Friday night, night, night CP, always a little bit. Friday night lights for the CPC in town mm-hmm. is always is always worth having a look. On occasion, it's obviously probably not going to be on telly because it's too miserable. But uh. Uh, I imagine certainly not now. Right then, let's have a look at the shit good ratings, shall we? Let's yes. start with good. Now, good Christian Wade. Yes. Who cannot stop scoring. Literally, top try scorer in the Prem, second most clean breaks, second most defenders beaten. Eddie Jones says, I don't give a fuck. Um, Went on the last Lions tour. He which did. Which is another yes. thing that I discovered. In- injury cover. But I'd forgotten yes. all about that. I'd forgotten all about that as well. Um, yeah, Andy and Brum got in touch on Twitter saying everyone's raving about his, his hack-on try versus Falcons. Now it once again shows his absolute genius. But he was saying, actually, isn't that just more fluke than class? Yes. Which opens up a larger point that the, the number of people, particularly on social media, it must be said, who attribute general sort of, I'll just have a stab at this in a fluky way, and it comes off to genius. Yeah, there's a very big difference between genius and the ball bouncing in yeah. a way that Wade's no, no third... player on earth can control the bounce of a rugby ball. Wade's third try versus Bath was an mm. absolutely wonderful try. Not mainly because of him, but it was the team, it was a line break. Um, yeah. Curtly Beale boomed up and took the ball and floated the most beautiful. That way that Curtly oh. Beale has a passing. I know. Like he just kind of goes, yeah. <laughs> like he's waiting to the very last minute to take the piss out of you. Yeah, you forget in amongst all of his boozing and general <laughs> misbehaviour, he is a phenomenally talented player. Did you see that video of him at high school that was doing the rounds on Twitter last week? No, I don't think I did. It's about a 10-minute highlight reel of him at high, at high school. And he's, well, he's just completely different. He had a scrum hat <laughs> on then. Scrum hat on, playing outside, playing 10. And he was just, well, it was just ludicrous. Absolutely. Yeah, it was I like me imagine. versus Michael Owen back in 99. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, but yeah, th- just the way he hit the line perfectly, he changed direction slightly, and then just the, like, that perfect time of a pass is the simplest thing in the world, what he's done. It is. And it was floated so gorgeously to Wade, he was just hammering up and just caught yeah. it and walked over, basically. But it was just, it was it was rugby at its very best, Josh, to get a bit really you know, cliched about yeah, and- it. And yeah, I don't, I don't. It's similar to the, the famous. Like, it, don't get me wrong, impressive, but remember the Simon Zebo flick. Oh God, yeah. Against Wales a few years ago, which I mean, let's be honest, it takes some balls to try it, but he Simon Zebo had no idea it was, that that it was, was going. a very good reaction to be running yes, at that pace was, to stick your leg onto just it attempt to flick to it flick up your leg was, onto it but he didn't know yeah. it was a completely instinctive reaction just to flick his foot at it and he just caught it so that it floated up into his arms yes and you know and was, that's great it looked brilliant and it looked outrageous and it was <laughs> yeah. you know but it was jammy I enjoyed watching it a lot it was jammy basically it was ask him to do it again that's my app. Yeah. Whenever one of those things, go and do that again. Yeah. That's Let's the difference between week. skill and jamminess. Do it yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. It's the old thing of football of a centre half spanking in a 40 yard screamer. 
Yeah. And it's like, well, that's all well and good. Everyone can hit them sweetly one in a thousand times. Yes. I can hit them sweetly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but when it's going for you, which it clearly is with Christian Wade at the minute, Absolutely. everything looks great. Oh. But as Absolutely. we've already mentioned, um, this scoring tries will arc is obviously a secondary consideration to Eddie Jones, it Don't seems. It. Very overrated. Oh. I saw a thing, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw a sort of stats of the year thing. And Eng- the All Blacks scored something like 80 tries last year. Yeah. And England scored like... All of them in 15-minute bursts. <laughs> yeah. And, and England scored something like 39 or something like that. Mm. And it's like, yeah, okay, the All Blacks will be, you know, the All Blacks lost a game, which is more than England say that year, et cetera, et cetera, yada, 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 whatever. But there is a difference there, you know. But I think the All Blacks you... pick players for what they can do. I'm still convinced that Eddie Jones picks players for. But if you look at Eddie Jones' Australian, Australia teams and the wingers mm. he had in there, he got Sailor to come over, I think. Yep, Lottie Takiri. Lottie Takiri. Ben Tune. Loves a lump, doesn't he? Joe Roth. Now, oh. Roth was a, wasn't so much a big lump. He was class Joe Roth, but he wasn't a jinky, jinky game breaker. No, he wasn't. Like Wade is. No. That wasn't what he, he was a classy player. He picked very good he lines. He clearly doesn't like... But then he said he doesn't like that kind of player, and yet he continues to pick Johnny May. But I think it's because he just wants people at the end of something. <clears throat> he doesn't actually want... He wants people who can defend a bit. And May, he's quick enough, he covers all right, but he wants people on the end of something. It's Again, it's about the system, I think. He yeah. doesn't want people who are going to come in and do all kinds of stuff. And I think that's why he's... I don't... Well, I'm, I'm just fucking thinking about it here, but I think that's probably... What, but if you look at his history, he tends to go for these big, athletic, defending... Yeah. Well, you know, no difference to what Gatlin would go for, I suppose. Absolutely, but, yeah. Um, a modern winger, I suppose. Mm. Can't have, well, well, for that It's what much. we would have called a modern winger five years ago but true. now yeah that is true modern wingers tend to come in all shapes and sizes which is something that's been good for the game yeah. i think but i think but a lot of quite coaches crept into international rugby just yet yeah a lot of coaches are still slightly stuck in that he's too small because for where's milner scudder gone where's milner scudder gone he, he was a very well sort he of broke post... his leg didn't he is that what happened to him i couldn't remember yes yeah because he was he's... a kind of post-modern winger he done it like there you go i've created a term for it now he was a post-modern winger. Post-modern winger. And the post-modern winger can be small, but he has to be defensively solid. Yes. But if he's small, he then has to be able to basically conjure something out of nothing. Because you can't just be small and quick anymore. No. Because you have to be like a turbo David Lemmy. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, David Lemmy, very good, but in an international level. And yeah, and similarly, you know, you can't be a sort of one paced kind of I don't want to say it because he's a very talented player but somebody like Ashton Hewitt at the Dragons who is basically or a Nigel Walker for example who is basically just a sprinter in rugby clothes Um, highly rated by Jeff Wilson though well weirdly (laughs) yeah probably because probably because he let Jeff Wilson past him so often for why Jeff Wilson liked him so much um (laughs) I was, I yeah, was but at no, the arms Nigel Walker I, wasn't that big, was he? He was like no, he was just light. He was like and 11, like, like this like wonderful that. gliding, uh, gorgeous. Yeah, he was when just running, absolutely yeah. rapid. And but I, I think we're at the point where rapid won't get it done. But you can be if you're small, quick, and 
twinkle toed, yeah, you should still be able to play at test level. I think a lot of the tries that Wade is scoring, where he's 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 beating lots of men. You see, I take a different tack on this one. I take it on the well, <laughs> why the fuck aren't you banging him? Tack. <laughs> uh, that is fair. I mean that because he's he's in heavy so. traffic with some of yeah. them. I think his that, first try, no, his second try. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is a perfect example. I mean, different physical statures we're talking here, but somebody in that ridiculous barreling run that Bastro did against Rassing, somebody should have just lined him up and fucking smashed him. Yeah, I or just got hold of his legs and dropped him. But <laughs> yeah, one person did run. manage to drop him. Didn't manage to hold him, and he rolled over and just like a on. like a wheel of cheese down a hill yeah. and just carried on running. The the wheel of cheese analogy is spot on. Actually, <laughs> that was basically what he was doing. But yes, as you say. A lot of his things are bad tackling combined with... But because players aren't used to dealing yeah. with... I'm They've had know, 10 years of big lumps of wings. And also people say, you know, Jason Robinson made people look like a bad tackler, didn't he? Is it him yeah. or is it them? Well, and I, I honestly think it's just the unfamiliarity of it. They're not used to seeing somebody that can do that out wide anymore. And now they're not even allowed, going to be allowed to tack him above the belly button. So <laughs> what the yeah, hell they're going to do now, I don't know. Fuck knows. Anyway, um, time is ticking yeah. on. So yes. Let's, um... So uh, other goods for me. Um, Thomas Young. Simply put, if he's not in the world squad, then Rob Howley wants fucking shooting. Um, he's how many? How many of the non-ring fence players can be selected? Uh, he's fine because he wasn't um, on a. Basically, because he went to England before the law came in. I see. And he hasn't signed a new deal or hasn't been offered a deal by a regent. Did, did you see Dai Young's face after he's Thomas his 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 his, his, his firstborn son scored <laughs> he the interception like someone try? Told him his, his car had been towed. It was amazing. It was absolutely magnificent. And I do love he's still got his pie monkey sat next to him. I know whose, whose beard gets more and more inexplicable and shaped and sculpted every week. It's I think almost he's trying like to get that guy's got fuck all else to do. <laughs> it's like he's trying to get him to smile or something. Look at his beard. I die. Look at his beard this week. Oh. You're having this die, and he's just sat there with that yeah. that magnificent look on his face that never <laughs> alters. It's brilliant. But yeah, I, I, it's, I would go so far as to say that. Thomas Young is probably the best open side in the Prem this season. He's not better He's... than Justin Tipperick, though, is he? Because nobody is. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly in the eyes of the Welsh public. But the thing a, is, a he's bionically got... crafted not... number seven out of a Google lab wouldn't be as good as Justin Tipperick. Well, no, but that's the, he sort of is a little bit of a weirdly bionically crafted seven out of a Google lab because he's sort of <laughs> he, he's physical enough to deal with the rigors of the game and to play six. But he's pacey, he's intelligent, he can do the linking up thing, you know. He's mm. got all the fucking tools, and I would quite like to see him in a Wales team sometime soon, I think. And I think, as you said in a tweet last week, before Eddie Jones gets any ideas, because from a residency well, point of view, the other one, he's been over it? there since he was about 12, hasn't he, or something? He is definitely English qualified, because he's been over there three years at a minimum. So, um, yeah. I don't think I think Dai would probably murder. Can him you imagine his him. face if he said, "I'm going to sign for England"? Dad. <laughs> well, I, I can. It'll look exactly the same. Exactly just... the same, but there would be an ever so slight twitch on or the corner of his eye. His pupils will dilate slightly. Yeah. that's all you'll be able well, to see. Well, there would just be a single tear that just ran down. <laughs> yes, the that's even better. Yeah, <laughs> and the pie monkey will reach over with a Kleenex and just, just dab just, it off his cheek. Just dab it. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Um, Anything what, else on uh, good? We need to move this on. Uh, yes. Um, Jason Woodward, Bristol's uh, Kiwi come English qualified winger, fullback, centre. I don't know what the fuck he is. He's very good. Mm. Um, and he could play for England tomorrow, which is uh, a little bit worrying for everybody else. Um, but yeah, people have been talking about how good Tom Vardell, Vardell has been, but um, he's mainly been good because... Jason Woodward has been putting him into space and covering for the aforementioned offensive frailties. So, yeah, what a player. Uh, other goods for me, France's new selection policy. The five-year um, thing. Well, it's you have to have well, a passport. Well, you've got to have a French years, passport, yeah. basically, um, which I think is a little bit extreme, but I think it's a good thing because if you want to represent a country internationally, why shouldn't that country expect you to be committed to it in a permanent you're going to live here forever kind of way. Of course, when the Front National get elected to the presidency next year, none of this will be allowed anyway. They'll all be kicked out. So it's all exactly. academic. They will, they will basically be one of those like uh, colour charts that you get in the... <laughs> and if, depending on what colour you are, will be... <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm sorry. Old, you, like the uh, pH uh, chart. Used to have okay here, so I'm afraid you can't represent France. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The most you can go to is a misty buff before we uh, allow you to play. Um, yeah, so any goods? Let's have a quick look at some goods from that's Twitter. That's for goods. Um, uh, very quickly, Nigel Owens. See, saying this, hang on. Oh, I've broken the, I've broken the <laughs> oh, video. For fuck's sake. Oh. Try again, Lee. We'll just edit this out. Some nice music. You just talked over straight over it. Sorry. Is this why you're not starting the game? Because the front six have been very good. What I like, see, what I love about Nigel, you see, in many ways like this, is that he obviously sits at home and thinks about this before he goes into a game. He can't be that quick. I think he genuinely has some lines lined up Ooh. for when it's like his the Derek Bevan thing, you know the. You know, I've asked you, and now I'm telling you. He's got it like in his yes. bank for when to when he can bring it. I've asked you to stop. Yeah. Now I'm telling you to stop, sort of thing. But he's gone on record as saying that he tries to be funny because it can diffuse situations well, quite he's, well, he's easily. Well, he's right, isn't he? And he's right. He's bang on. You know, and he's a genuinely endearing guy anyway. So it, yeah, it, it and helps. That, people have got very, very sanctimonious about this, which I find hilarious. But they've been saying that he was being disrespectful to them, and players shouldn't. I, I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a lack of respect. When I played, so I used. He was just having a laugh. I used to get annoyed with with, with, with referees who commentate on what was happening. Like yeah. sometimes it'd be like three knock-ons, and the referee go, oh, "Lads, that was shit, lads." Three knock-ons. It's you're like, "Well, what the fuck are you saying that for?" I know it was shit. I just dropped the ball, sort of thing. It's kind of, so that used to get. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it was a lack of respect. He was. No, it's it all. Was just I think what it was... people do, you know. But it was. So. And the thing is, what is it? What is it that people want? Because if you have these identical Android type refs like the JP Doyles of this world, everyone just slags yeah. them off as well. So, and yeah, nothing against no JP Doyle. He just yeah. that's just the kind of guy he is, you know. So there's no winning here because no, it's, you know, it's referees very... have to operate in such a narrow bandwidth of acceptability that it's um, it's hard to know yeah. what to do. And I understand that people don't like Nige for his stand-up comedy routine thing, but. I would rather that personally than 
because it, it just makes the game a little bit more lighthearted, yeah. well, given how fucking terrible the game is. He going spends ninety percent of the time being the best ref in the world, and ten percent yes. of the time drifting over into stuff that's slightly irritating. You know, yes. what, that's about you know you're not going to get much better than that, I'm afraid. What is it you yeah, want? Yeah, I can live with that ten percent because yeah. I know he's a very good ref, and I also know that he will probably ignore quite a lot of the new World Rugby directives vis-a-vis ridiculously insensitive treatment of head stuff yeah. because because he was doing it at the weekend and i know it isn't in yet but <laughs> somebody slipped into someone's head and he was just like nope slipped don't worry about it and there's no way he's not doing that no another quick so, and that was a great line you know it was, leave it everything was, aside it's a, a bloody good line, line. is this why you guys honest. don't start the game then brilliant um nick Lug got in touch on twitter and said good was zach mercer bath number eight only 19 yeah, and massively yeah. impressive yes he was i said i was saying to you before we went on air, i remember his dad gary who played for halifax he was a very mediocre new zealand rugby league player but zach <laughs> seems any, to be is he a relation of guy i presume he must be oh i don't know guy mercer who also plays for, yeah who also plays for bath oh he could be i would have thought so yeah uh Anyway, um, anyway yes. Robbie Alexander said Hog good was Robbie Alexander got in touch and said good was Hogs hundred percent kicking versus hundred uh, percent kicking, which is a big news particularly for Scotland if he can become a place kicker. That means they're not as dependent on Glacial Greg anymore. Yes, they can actually go for a scrum half that has some semblance of dynamism. Yes, and and you imagine that Gregor will want that. Then again. Laidlaw is a bit of a ledge, so it's hard to know what's going on. Well, do. they do love him up there, don't they? Yeah. Right, mm. let's have a look at the shit, shall we? We've already mentioned this, but Dave, Dave James got in t- touch on Twitter and said, shit was the Dragon's pitch. Well, well the dragon, Dragon's before. and the Dragon's pitch, which he described as both fetid quagmires of utter bilge, <laughs> which I think is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, go on. Yeah, shit for me. Um, we've discussed before the death of the drop goal. Yes. Well... I, thanks to reading somebody else's hard work um, on ESPN, uh, you Richards, well done, has some statistics for just how badly the drop goal hath died in mm. 2016. Get this right. There were 267 international matches played last year. Right. Right. Do you know how many successful drop goals there were over all of those matches? 267, right? Uh, I reckon it's probably about one every 10 games. So about 26. Less. 14. Jesus. One every 20 games then, basically. Yes. Now, for context, and this is the absolute fucking kicker. In 2003, Johnny Wilkinson landed exactly the same number of drop goals (laughs) on his own. 14 in one season in 2003. And that was the entirety of international. Not just the Six Nations, not just the the rugby championship. (laughs) Every single international game played around the world. 14 wow. drop goals. And the thing is, you could say that's a good or a bad thing. I mean, I haven't got time to go into it now, but the bottom line just, is that that's a remarkable change in, a what, skill 10, in the, 10 years, a, basically? Yeah, it's a skill that is disappearing from the game, which I think is sad. But not if you were watching Connacht versus Munster, as Oshin <laughs> C drew to my attention, because Ian Keatley yes. boomed another one over in horrific Ian... conditions. <laughs> it was truly We finally conditions. found what Ian Keatley is good at. Yes, drop goals. Did one against Glasgow a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Did he? yeah. Non, non, he's, <laughs> on, he's fucking unstoppable now, Keatley. <laughs> Speaking of, of Connacht, Munster and everybody else, the uh, Irish rugby rules on player appearances over the Christmas derbies was a bag mm. of shit. <laughs> did um, you, so did yeah, you see, did you see the team said, that Leinster sent to Munster, by the way? 
Well, they are only allowed to pick centrally contracted players for one of the two yeah. Christmas derbies, which is just a led to a load of lopsided scorelines because one team was playing their seconds and the other team was playing their full strength one, and it just it just it gives further ammunition to all the people who think that Pro 12 is a fucking Mickey Mouse competition because on, on Mock the Week there's no way that should be allowed when Mock the Week was on at the end of it there was at the end of the rounds Daryl Breen would sometimes just go um, points for everybody and that's obviously <laughs> what the IRFU decided to do with their provinces yes. this Christmas would right. you like to win everyone's some games everyone's having some points this, this Christmas there's a little bit of a Christmas bonus <laughs> to you all what yeah. I, know, I know Wales won't be happy about it, but never mind that. Just you know, yeah, you're all going to get some just, points. Everybody, just... everybody have fun. Yeah, don't, yeah, I know you've lost this week, but don't be down because next week you'll you, win next week. You'll yeah. win next week because they're going to pick a lot of sixteen-year-olds. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So yes. uh, that was the, yeah. So I agree that was shit. Um, shit. Bath kicking out of hand versus Exeter was pretty appalling. Um, uh, yes, and one that thing that Todd needs to, to look George. on. That comes back to the George Ford make your fucking mind up question. I think though, Todd it? needs to spend a bit of time re-watching two years worth of games to see what's going on <laughs> with that. Um, Matt Merritt got in touch on Twitter uh, and mm-hmm. said, Tua Lange's cost per minute of play. Is any player that, in the Premiership worse value to their club? That must be high now. Uh, yeah, Big it time. It, it, it's not quite as bad as Ronda Rousey. <laughs> no, who got sixty-eight thousand pounds a second for getting knocked out in forty-eight seconds in good. the UFC? <laughs> but uh, but apparently, yeah, it, yeah, it was a lot the fact of money. That we just signed him for a hell of a lot of money. I, it as was. Well. We've it talked is. about this already, but it was a very strange decision because nobody. It can't have been a very objective decision because nobody objectively sitting down would have gone. Because the thing he's is, as well, he's, he money. is yeah. very good, exceptionally good. Yeah, but is he? You know. I, he is, would you rather have Beal? I would, I think. Yeah. But he's a unique physical prospect. Isn't and he, he is still you young, know? isn't he? That's the thing. He is still, yeah. We forget and, how young he still is. And that's the thing that I think they got carried away with, com- combined with the fact that, you know, he's been there since he was a fucking dut. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, but it's looking, again, like a fucking terrible decision, to be honest. It's like, um, I, I wish I had the soundtrack. What is it Samuel L. Jackson says in um, Unbreakable? They call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> he's yes. a bit like, he's and, getting a bit like that, bless him. And the thing is, it's, is not that, it's really bad, because people get on people's backs about being injured, but there's absolutely it's fuck all you can do, do about it's it. Not like he's got, and it's not like even like he's got some sort of chronic thing that always gets injured. It is just, it's sort of like Sam Warburton. Like, everything, every time Sam Warburton gets injured, it's a different thing. Yeah. No, it's and, true, yeah. And, and there's nothing, the there's nothing. Brian Robson was the same in football. We used to take the piss out of Brian Robson in football in the 80s, mm. didn't they? But what can you do? You just, you get fit, you train, you get fit again, you go out and play, you get injured again. There's nothing you can yeah. do. And it's, it's not like you, luck, isn't it? Yeah. if you like leading you with your head it. into people's feet or something, then that's maybe <laughs> something that you could, but if you're just playing and you pull something, what is... Then again, the other thing is, you know, remember how young he is. Yeah. Because to use, again, a football example, Steven Gerrard, if you're a Liverpool fan, I'm not, was mm-hmm. injured fairly frequently to the age of about 26. Yeah, and then all of a sudden... And all of a sudden he... it kind of works itself out because yeah. people's bodies do all kinds... Especially, imagine the, the, the stress that Tulangi's body is under. He's massive. Yeah. yeah, he's six foot one and 17 stone. And he's been man-sized since he was like, 13, you know, but yet he's probably not got that kind of man. I know he's, I don't know, I'm not. He's 25 now. I'm straight, I'll be honest, I'm straying into areas the uh, 
that, that I, I don't really know about. <laughs> it, there'd, there'd, yeah. be, there'd be an objection if I was in a US court right now. Objection that's beyond probably... the scope, I think is what they say. Beyond the scope of your expertise. But yes. that's never stopped me before, I'll be honest. But given that it's so late in the pod, I think I will stop now. Um, yeah. I think we will draw it to a close I there. Pro- I think that's probably. I think it's probably is the uh, yeah. That's probably the end of it. Anything else very quickly you want to add into shit? Um, the the one thing I'm just uh, as a happy little uh, thing for the new year to really get us, and I think that shit is going to be watching rugby over the next couple of months. <laughs> Because if the Christmas period showed nothing else, it's that referees are going to ruin an awful lot of games in their quest to stamp out what's being perceived as dangerous play. And those new head contact guidelines that are coming in this week, it's just going to make it a Tomorrow, lot worse. Actually, or it might be, if you're listening on a Tuesday, it's today. It's if today. Way it's to literally work. right now. Make so sure that as you go about your day, don't accidentally First touch day back else in work head. after a lovely festive break, Josh is just letting you know it's going to be miserable for the next couple of months. If you weren't in a bad enough mood already, I am trying my very best to be positive about this because the fact is, is that they're coming in and there's I'm nothing hoping... we can do about yeah. it. And I'm thinking that, well, if the tackle's going to go lower and the balls, that means the ball's in play more after a bit of a teething problem, then really is that something that we should be complaining about too much? I've had time to reflect. Yeah, my my hope is that for a few months we're going to have issues. Yeah. But eventually players and coaches are going to adapt as they've adapted to pretty much every other new tackled slash apart from you know, the scrum which is unadaptable yeah <laughs> imagine like charles it, darwin came back now and tried to work out the evolution <laughs> of the scrum he'd go insane he'd give up he would he'd, he'd get back on no, that boat and just say it's fine <laughs> yeah um yeah no i i think i'm hoping that like the tip tackle and like other things maybe it, we'll just have a couple of months of yeah awfulness to deal with so all of our hell and damnation fine. talk before christmas i've had a bit of a think and i think that you know as you said the game's always adapted yeah it will be with a any luck game. by the lions tour i'm hopeful that they will have adapted enough that the games will not be fucking dreadful hmm. and on that bombshell and on, on that, that bombshell what yeah. one thing i will circle <laughs> about that head tackle when i was talking when i was talking to dave flatman uh, mm. i'll finish on this when i was down at when i was down at the bt sport rugby studio don't you know uh, for my 40 seconds on the television. But I went into the green room, which seemed very exciting. But anyway, it wasn't. It was just, you just had some chicken and chips in there. The um, You said I, it wasn't exciting. God. Yeah, it's indeed. You've changed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the, I was chatting with David Flatman about this stuff. And remember you had that bit of a ding-dong with that guy from Science in Sport on Twitter? I did. Where you totally, were saying, totally yeah, accident. people will stoop their head into tackles to win penalties. And he said, Absolutely. what? And risk their future health. And you were like, well, yes. And I put yes. that to Flatman. I said, so, Dave, do you think that people, so flats, do you think that people players will will ram their heads into people's arms in tackles to win penalties? He just went, yeah, of course they fucking will. <laughs> Well, this is yeah. I mean, and that for those who don't follow my occasional fucking wades into Twitter spats, um, that was accidentally me having a debate with one of the world's leading doc- authorities on one the- of the world's leading authorities on head injuries who has actually created these laws. Yes, um, and some fucking Twitter grass decided or... to copy him into me having a bit of a moan about oh, it. Twitter grasses, oh, the worst. <laughs> but yes, he can. He was convinced that my thinking that players would somehow try to game this was uh totally ridiculous but um do you remember, yeah. when, do you remember when rocking was allowed we'll see 
players yes, would lie vaguely. on the wrong side of the ball and get four large men standing on their head to yes. slow the ball down. Slow the ball down. They would lie exactly. there and allow that to happen just to get an extra yeah. five seconds delay on the ball coming out. You really well, think they won't fancy yeah. winning a penalty by yeah. sticking their head somewhere? By sticking their head, yeah, by a, sort of their head brushing against another player's arm. Yeah. Oh, well. well. Anyway, yes, on that one, we tried to end this about three times in the last five minutes. Josh, yes. Happy New Year to yes. all of you out there. I've not said Indeed. that yet, but ha- I have, a, have a, everybody. a prosperous New Year. Yes. Full of offloads and, and very few red cards, hopefully. Hopefully. Speak to you next week. Right, take care, Ta-da. everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.